Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world was. I like to make those words my own personal testimony this morning. And I'd like to consider those words with you as the Spirit of God shall help us. You know, if you look carefully at that, those two verses, you will find that there are some interesting pairs that run right through them. First of all, there's our Lord and His prisoner. That's a glorious pair, isn't it? Our wonderful Lord. In all his majestic splendor and in all his omnipotent power. And his prisoner, poor old Paul, beaten, buffeted, in chains, imprisoned. And yet, praise God, they're both united by the power of the Holy Ghost. And we're nobodies. But praise God, we've got a wonderful partner this morning. We're in partnership with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to see us through. We're just to depend upon Him, to trust Him. And then if you look again, you have another very interesting pair. Afflictions of the gospel and the power of God. That's a paradox, isn't it? Afflictions and power. How could you have afflictions and a power linked together? But that's what happens in the Christian life. God's grace is perfected in human weakness. And when I am weak, then, praise God, I am strong. But when I'm under the scourge of the afflictions of the gospel, then the power of God works in me. That's the way God works. And the weaker we are, the stronger we are. And the poorer we are, the richer we are. And the lower we are, hallelujah, the higher we are. And the nearer to the ground we are, the higher we are on God's throne. That's the way God works. That's another pair. Look again, and you'll find in verse 9 another pair. His own purpose and his own grace. That's a great thing. The purpose of God and the grace of God. You know what the purpose of God? Is. The purpose of God is God's love in his heart. That's his purpose. That's what makes his purpose. But the grace of God is God's love in my heart. God's love in his own heart towards me, planning, purposing, directing, undertaking. But the grace of God is that love shed abroad in my heart. I have been partaker of the love of Jesus. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, rolling like a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. I've tasted of the love 
of Jesus. I feel like giving him the glory this morning, for his blood has washed us whiter than the snow. And then there's another one here, isn't there? Look at the top of that verse 9. Saved us and called us. Great thing to be saved. Hallelujah. Some people think that we're not saved. We don't care what they think, hallelujah. The devil tells us we're not saved. He's a liar anyway, so it's a good job he thinks we're not saved. That's proof positive we are. But I want to say that God really saves people. You know, there's some evangelicals today and they say, you can't really be saved. You are being saved. I want to tell you this morning, friend, you can be saved. You can know you're saved. Thank God you can be sure you're saved. And he's not only saved us, but praise God, he's called us. And every man and woman that's saved has the calling of God. And how great is the calling of our Lord to our hearts. Why, these are two wonderful verses. You go home and have a look at those pairs and study them to get out and they'll do your soul good. But there are three things in this verse that I want to preach on this morning. First of all, you have the Lord's standard. That's the testimony of our Lord, the Lord's standard. And then you have the Lord's servant, the prisoner. And then you have the Lord's service, the afflictions of the gospel. And I want to tell you something. There is shame attached to each one of them. There's the shame of the Lord's standard. There's the shame of the Lord's servant. And there's the shame of the Lord's service. And Paul says, Be not thou therefore ashamed. Because there's shame attached to this. I want you to notice for a moment or two the shame of the Lord's standard. You know, Jesus Christ and his gospel will never be popular with the masses of men and women. Let's get it straight. This world's no friend to grace to help me on to God. The Christian church will always be battling and striving and struggling and in the heat of the turmoil of the conflict. Jesus Christ, when he was upon this earth, was unpopular with the religious world. The religious world didn't accept the Lord Jesus. The scribes and Pharisees didn't say he's the Messiah. The religious world rejected Christ. And the religious world of the 20th century is just the same as the religious world of the 1st century. I don't expect the religious leaders to heal the preaching of the gospel with enthusiasm. I expect them to hate those that stand for the standards of Jesus. There's going to be shame. And as long as this church keeps up the standard... It shall be attacked and ridiculed and scorned and sneered and laughed at. And may the sneers continue. And may the scorners still scorners. For when God 
blessing us, the devil will fight us. And when the fight's over, we are finished. So we're going to keep in the battle. And we're going to enjoy the battle for the Lord. Do you know what it says in Hebrews? Christ despised the shame. He was willing for it. When he set up his standard in his own family, you know what they said about him? They said he's mad. He's a madman. His own brethren said he's beside himself. And you know, I want to tell you something. That if you stand for Jesus Christ the way you ought to stand today, your own brethren in Christ will be against you. Who was it that shot the arrows at Joseph? It was his own brethren. What does it say? Old Jacob said he was hated of his brethren. And my, you'll know if you walk with God, the hatred of your brother. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a great preacher from Westminster Chapel, who's now retired, was an American. And you know what he said about me? He said, Ian Paisley's a lunatic. And he says, the free Presbyterian church is doing more harm against Christ than for Christ. That's a nice testimony. That's one of your brethren. Well, praise God, friend, we're in apostolic succession when our brethren are attacking us. I'm quite happy about that. The said of Jesus, his own brethren said he's a madman. The Irish Presbyterian Herald, official organ of the Irish Presbyterian Church, I hope you don't read it and give them even a sixpence for it, but I have to read these things to know what they're saying. And they say the free Presbyterian Church is begotten of Satan. It is satanic. And that this preacher is another Hitler. When I read that in the prison cell, I laughed. I really laughed. I said, that's wonderful. And I got down on my knees and I said, thank you, Lord, the apostates are really feeling this, feeling the battle. You know, they wouldn't write those things about you if you weren't hurting them. You were doing them no harm. They wouldn't attack you. The shame of it. Christ knew what it was to be attacked, but he despised the shame. Don't get downhearted this morning because your minister's a Hitler. Don't get downhearted. I'll not put you into the gas chamber. You're all right. Hold on to your seats. Everything's all right. Let me tell you this morning, my friend, there's a shame attached to the Lord's standard. And the religious leaders, what did they say about him? They said he's Beelzebub. And by the power of the devil, he does these works. And when I read that, Article by an ex-missionary in the Irish Presbyterian Herald, I said, if they call the master of the house Beelzebub, what will they not call you his servant? It's being fulfilled, isn't it? We're on the right lines, you know. And then the uh, Christian and Christianity today, this week, they have a great attack upon us. Oh, yes. Billy Graham's organization. Of course, old Billy's so busy going to Rome, and getting ready to kiss the Pope's toe, that he has no time for those that stand for the truth. But he, there's a powerful article praising the Christianity of Bernadette Devlin. She's a Christian. And denouncing Paisley and Paisleyism. It is according to the Baptist pastor of Bangor, the gospel of Paisleyism is the gospel of the upraised club. Mr. Carson 
the Baptist minister, former Church of England vicar, is now a Baptist pastor down in Bangor. And you know who comments alongside him? They say we have three comments from three great religious leaders in Ulster. You know who they are? We are of the General Assembly. But he was wise. He never said anything about Paisley. He kept his mouth closed. And who was the next one? The Roman Catholic Bishop of Derry. Bishop Farr. The next one. That was a good one to get, wasn't it? He's the man who told his young people, don't you go and mix with Protestants for they're unclean. And if you mix with Protestants, you'll get dirty. I have got his direct quotation. And Mr. Carson, ours is the gospel of the up-raised club. And they liken the uproar in Ulster to the great uproar that took place at Ephesus in the book of the Acts. Do you remember? And they all gathered together and they shouted, Great is Diana of the Ephesians! Demetrius and the silversmith. The silversmith. You know what they say? They say that the people who made the uproar in Acts are just the same as the Paisleyites. And the Roman Catholics are like Paul and the Christians. You know, it's the other way around, isn't it? The other way around. We're not silversmiths. We're not idolaters. Praise God, we're against idolatry. And you just need to read the scriptures right, and you can study that chapter, and you have them all crying for Diana, and that's what they're all crying. Great is Diana of the ecumenical movement. Great is Papa Paul, and all the rest. And we're like the apostles, praise God, when we're preaching there's an uproar. God give us more uproar. Nicholson used to say, a riot or a revival, anyone will do, Lord. And my, if you've got, if you're having a riot, praise God, you're having revival. If you're disturbing the devil, they go together. Yeah. The shame of the Lord's standard. You know, when I read these things, I've read some wonderful things in the press. Dr. Bob Jones sent me a letter. Got out of prison, I got it. He sent it to my wife. And he, he said, I think I know down here in Australia. He says, it's amazing. They, I looked at the paper the other morning and it said every night Ian Paisley and the thugs are down in the center of Belfast breaking windows. And I was in prison. And he says that must be a, lo- a wonderful prison where they let you out at night to break windows down in the center. <laughs> Talk about lines from the press. And then I lifted another paper called Plain Truth. Plain Lies, I would call it. And it says I'm a Presbyterian nationalist. And I got a paper from the United States in which it said I was an outspoken Republican. My, we're doing well, aren't we? The one thing, they've never called me a papist yet. I'm sure that's to come. That's on the way. Oh, my friend, let me tell you, when you raise the standard, there'll be the shame. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. And then Paul says, don't be ashamed of me, his prisoner. I'm just a poor prisoner. I'm in the cell. Timothy. When I was in Rome, I went to see that cell that tradition says that Paul was in. Just a hole in the ground let down into a basement. It may not have been the cell Paul was in, but it was a replica. It was like the one he was in. Our prison cell in the Crumlin Road was like a palace. 
compared to that. And there's old Paul, and he's sitting down there in prison. And he says, Timothy, don't be ashamed of me. All ages turned against me. I have my back to the wall. Timothy, I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Don't be ashamed of me, Timothy. I know my name's a byword. I know my name is an object of ridicule and the butt of every scorner and the laughter of the devil. But Timothy, don't be ashamed of me. And my friend, we've not to be ashamed of the prisoners of Jesus Christ. We're not to be ashamed of the Carl McIntyres and the Bob Jones and the Alec Dunlops and the Jack Glasses and the Brian Greens and these men that are fighting the battles. And praise God we're with them. Praise God this church and its ministry is with these men who are fighting for God across the world. And we're glad to have them. We welcome them to this platform. Thank God next Sunday night these men will be welcomed. They've left the apostasy. Thank God. May God send the great sweep in Ulster and give us revival for his glory. Don't be ashamed. You know, in the days of the Bloody Mary, when the prisoners of the Lord were taken out to die, there was one old saint of God. He was a pastor of a little church in London. And one Sunday he preached, and he preached the sermon, and he told his congregation that soon he would be apprehended, and soon he would be going to the faggots. And he said, don't be ashamed of me, and as I'm standing stripped to my shirt with a gunpowder tied under each arm, and the tied bags of gunpowder under their arms and between their legs, he says, don't be ashamed of me. As I stand there, the butt and ridicule of man, don't be ashamed of me. And he said, I'll tell you something. He said, if Christ is with me in the fire, when I'm burning and my arms are free, he says, I'll raise my burning stumps and I'll wave them. Amen. And you know, his whole congregation turned out to see their pastor burn. That must have been a terrible thing, must it? have gone to see the godly man stand there, the ridicule of man, ready for the burning. And as he was burning, when his arms were just stumps, he raised them and he waved them to his congregation. And he whispered in the agony, Christ is with me now. Don't be ashamed of the prisoners of the Lord. You know, there's a whole lot of preachers in Belfast today, and they're ashamed of the history of the church. I'm not ashamed of the reformers this morning. I'm not ashamed of the martyrs. The Reformation wasn't a mistake. It was the greatest revival since Pentecost. God send us another such like revival. We're not ashamed of the martyrs. I know these martyrs were men of God. In the prison cell, I went down to the library one day to get a book, and I got two great books, The Life of Luther and The Life of Knox. You couldn't read anything better in a prison cell. And old Knox was preaching, and the people didn't like his preaching. They said, you're too strong. Tone it down a little. And you know what Knox said? He says, God has sent me 
to start a fire that will smoke out the devil's foxes from their holes. Now, when I read that, I said, Lord, let me be at that business too. I want to be at that business too. Yes. And you know, these men battled. And their methods today would be reckoned to be crude. And their sermons would reckon to be coarse and severe. But they were men of God. God, give us the same methods and the same coarseness of speech. If needs be, if it's needed to get the people away from the idolatry of popery and priestcraft and the witchcraft of this satanic false Baal worship that's so prominent in our land today. Don't be ashamed of me. And I'm glad that this congregation is not ashamed of their preacher. You know, an Irish Presbyterian minister, the last time I was in prison, you know what he said? He said, that's Paisley finished because the people will be ashamed of him now that he's been in prison. He was a fool, that man. The only use for his brains was to separate his ears. That's the only use for his brains. I want to tell you, friend, the people of God will not be ashamed of the man of God. And I know that you're not ashamed of me this morning. I've worn the prison clothes. I've had the star on my arm. I have been among the common herd. I've worked with murderers and rapists and all the rest. But, friend, I was a man of God among them, witnessing for Jesus. And you weren't ashamed of me. I know that. That's why my heart rejoiced. I was the happiest man to sit in the prison. Why? Because you weren't ashamed of me. Now let me tell you something else. There is the shame of the Lord's service, and we're all in it. The afflictions of the gospel. Friend, the way to heaven is the way of the cross. I must needs go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way for me. Have I ever climbed to the heights sublime where the soul is at home with God? The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It's sweet to know as I onward go that the way of the cross leads home. And friend, there's shame in the Lord's service. Our brethren, sister, they're going down to the south of Ireland. They'll know the shame of the Lord's service there. They'll know what it is to be afflicted. But you know, the afflictions of the gospel are according to the power of God. God helps you when you're afflicted. God stands by you in the darkness. Standing somewhere in those shadows, you'll find Jesus. He's the only one who cares and understands. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you will find him. And you'll know him by the nail prints in his hand. Be not thou ashamed of the testimony of the Lord or of me as prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. May the Lord help us. He has saved us. He has called us according to his own purpose and grace. And praise God, he's going to help us to bear the sheep. There's a little booklet, if you can get it, get it and read it. It's by C.T. Studd. It's called The Shame of Christ. It'll do your soul good if you read it. And it'll stir your heart and, I believe, make you willing to walk in the pathway of suffering for the Lord's name. Father, we bless you for these great pairs. We thank thee for the Lord and his prisoner. We thank thee for afflictions of the gospel and the power of God. 
We thank Thee for being saved and being called. We thank Thee for God's purpose and God's grace. We thank Thee for the Lord's servant and the Lord's standard and the Lord's service. Oh, God, bless this church. Send us a great revival. Lord, we're glad we're despised and hated and trampled on. Lord, keep us humble. And lo, for it's only humble people you can use. And no flesh shall glory in your presence. For Jesus' sake, amen and amen.